0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them.
1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Stinking Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Schlereth, along with my uh, co-host, Mike Evans, producer Scott the Hup on the board. On the they, they call that the ones and twos. I don't even know what that means, but... He's on the ones and twos. Um, anyhow, Mike, how are you, buddy? Good I'm to good. be back with you.
1: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I miss talking to you. I know you've been very right. busy uh, uh, doing our doing our radio show, but also calling the games for Fox. And uh, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on where both San Francisco and the Rams are, especially with the Rams losing three in a row and their answer being to once again, forfeit first-round picks. I think it's going to be, what, five straight years without them making a first-round pick uh, to go get Jalen Ramsey.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I called the game last week between the Rams and the 49ers, as you well know. And um, so an old buddy of mine in the radio business, when I first got hired in the radio business, he used to say this all the time. He goes, you want 50% of the people to love you and 50% of the people to hate your guts. And he goes, if you do that, you're doing a hell of a job. So... I get done calling the game, and you know I love football, right? So I get excited about good football. I get excited about guys knocking the snot out of people, blocking people, tackling people, you know, all that kind of stuff. I I get, get, you know, I'm just that way. I'm easily easily, uh, entertained, if you will, right? And so I sit down on the plane, and uh, I open up my Twitter feed, and I've got the... I got the 49er faithful, just like, man, what a great broadcast. You're awesome on the broadcast. It was amazing. What a great job you did. And then I have this contingent of of Rams fans. You suck. You're the worst broadcaster in the history of broadcasting. You're so biased against the Rams. You just love Shanahan so much. I hate your guts, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I shut down Twitter, and I was like, I ordered a vodka soda. I was like, I fucking nailed it. Nah. <laughs> I was like, what what a great broadcast yeah. I must have had. Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. Like fifty percent of the people love me, fifty percent hate me. I shut down my phone and just had a vodka soda and took a nap. It was awesome.
1: Good for you. Good for you. But yeah. hey, hey, anything that you may have said uh that that bothered Rams fan, it didn't come close. To way the Rams themselves felt about themselves, as you know, evidenced by them quickly going out and making this Ramsey deal.
0: Yeah, now you know my hope there is Mike, and and thoughts and prayers. Seriously, thoughts and prayers. I mean, just a big shout out to uh, Jalen Rams. I hope his back is oh good geez. To here's play. the sarcasm. I mean, All right, yeah, I, because Lord have mercy, you know that back has just been devastating. You know, I mean, he's had a. You know, drowned his sorrows having drinks with uh, Deshaun Watson after, uh, you know, his team lost to Houston. You know, he just has to stay back in Houston and have some drinks and do some partying. And I just hope, I mean, yeah, they gave up a lot for him. Two first-rounders and a fourth-rounder. I hope uh, I hope to goodness that back heals because, woof, boy, oh, boy, could you imagine if uh, if that didn't heal? Man. Well, what is wrong with the Rams? Well, all right, so in a nutshell, there's a couple things going on with the Rams. You know, it's uh, it's anytime you're innovative, you know what ends up happening to you, Mike? <laughs> um, defensives eventually catch up to you. And it's really interesting because when you put them on film, something that everybody does to them um, is basically cut and paste a piece of the game plan from the New England Patriots out of uh, that game plan and install that in their game plan when they're facing the Rams so over the last couple of years the Rams have essentially dictated to defenses and said here's what we do we're going to show you a bunch of window dressing you know it's the illusion of complexity we're going to show you all this motion these jet sweeps all these things the bottom line is we're a power run football team we're 11 personnel and, and you know, three wide receiver personnel, and we're essentially a one-back unit, and we're going to cram it down your freaking throats. That's what they've done. So they have all this fancy looks, you know, all these fancy three-wide sets. Um, but at their core, they're a smash-mouth football team. That's what they've done. Well, one of the things that the Patriots did is they created this kind of, as the Rams call it, a 6-1 structure. So essentially what they're doing is four defensive linemen and they're putting those linebackers, the outside linebackers, the Will and the Sam on the line of scrimmage. And then that Mike backer that sits in the middle of that structure is essentially, um, he's essentially like three yards deep. He's really close to the line of scrimmage. And all that eye candy, all that motion, all that that bullshit, they've taken that out of the vision of their linebackers. So it's not holding people. And then at the end of the line of scrimmage, they're constricting, they're setting edges, and um, and they're not influenced so much by that jet motion stuff, right? And that's really one of the things they've done. And now all of a sudden, defenses are dictating to the offense as opposed to the other way around. And one of the things that's been interesting to watch is it's been interesting to watch how the Rams have changed. You know, I did a game last year of the Rams in Denver where – the Rams ended up winning a very close game, but they had over 200 yards of rushing in that game. And um, and going into that game, they were in 11 personnel, Mike. I think it was 97% of the time. The only times they weren't in 11, get this, only times they weren't in three wide receiver sets were on the goal line, in goal line situations, and at the end of the game for kneel downs. Those were the only two scenarios that they didn't play 11 personnel. Over the last two or three weeks, Mike, they have been in 12. They've been in 13. They they probably cut their 11 personnel over half. It's been remarkable. And it's all, in, it's all in reaction to what teams are doing to them. So one of the things that's happening to them, and this is interesting, you know, as an offensive player, one of the things that's happening to them is they practice all week for the structure they see – on the game tape, and then they get into the games, and what they're seeing is that 6-1 structure, so everything that they've looked at and everything that they've studied is different than what they're getting on game day, so now, in many ways, they're chasing ghosts. They're like, okay, this is what they played all week, and this is what we're studying, but you know what we're going to get? We're going to get these four things that are different than what we're seeing on tape, so some of those scenarios are going on with the Rams right now. They're trying to figure those things out. I think the other thing that has happened is they took for granted. And I think a lot of young coaches that that fancy themselves, you know, fancy themselves, um, you know, innovators and all that stuff. Um, and I think this is just – I think this is – and I'm not, I'm not busting on Sean McVay because I think Sean McVay is great. Uh, but I think this is franchises and organizations in general. They think they can get away with – you know, an average group up front because we can scheme people, right? What's happened is they let their best offensive lineman in Roger Saffold leave, their most physical guy, absolute road grader, nasty, left guard. He left. He moved on. And John Sullivan retired their center, and they replaced them with two young guys, inexperienced guys that aren't very good players. Yet. Now, it doesn't mean they won't be at some point, but they haven't been very good players yet. And you replace two-fifths of, of your offensive line that was, you know, had great continuity. And, oh, by the way, then you don't play anybody in the preseason too. And you look at the ramifications of what ha- what has gone on because of that. It's That, to me, has been huge for them. So they lack continuity. They have two-fifths of their old line that's not playing very well. And um and one of those guys, the center, who you lost a veteran center that was great at setting protections and taking some of the the burden off of Jared Goff, now you don't have that. I mean, so there's this kind of perfect storm of things going on right now with the Rams, and they are really struggling to adjust, Mike.
1: Meanwhile, the four uh the forty niners, they for real?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, hey, Mike. Oh yeah. Oh, Yes! <laughs> wow! Ooh! I'm
1: telling. Hey, listen. Here, here's. But the it's de- not because of their offense. Well, which, which we all thought with Kyle Shanahan, right. Jimmy Garoppolo, all that. It's. I mean, this defense is just. I
0: mean, well, it is dynamic, uh, Mike. Mike. Part of it is because of their offense. See, it's complementary nature. Yeah, have you not learned anything working with me all this time? You, you haven't learned anything, have you?
1: Well, I know, I know, it's complimentary, but why does it always have to be that the offense is uh, the one complimenting the defense? It sure looks to me like the the defense is making life a heck of a lot easier for the offense.
0: The defense has faced under forty plays, the la- or uh, uh, under fifty plays, the last two weeks. They had forty-nine last last. I think they had forty-nine the last two weeks in a row. Forty-nine plays they had to defend. You could fly around and play a lot of good football with only having to fend 49 plays. I, I will tell you this, Mike. They have invested heavily on that yeah. side of the ball. Yeah. They went out and got Quan Alexander, who's a hell of a linebacker, from Tampa. Um, look at their defensive line. Uh, D. Ford, they got in free agency. He's a first-rounder. Uh, Eric Armstead, he was a first-rounder for the Niners. DeForest Buckner, he's a first-rounder for the Niners. Uh, Nick Bosa, he's a first-rounder, last year's first-rounder. And, oh, by the way, it's, it's relegated um, – Solomon Thomas to a backup player who was the third overall pick in 2017. Like That's how deep they are on the defensive side of the ball. And the great thing about Solomon Thomas is he's a really good player. He's just been this tweener guy that they haven't been able to figure out like how to play him full time because he's not quick enough, he's not agile enough to be a turn-the-corner defensive end slash pass rusher. And he's not big enough to play Full time three technique, right? Our full time inside guy. So he's kind of been this ultimate tweener. They've had a tough time figuring out how to use him. Now all of a sudden you're like, hey dude, this guy can play twenty five plays a game. He can come in in nickel situations and rush the snot out of the passer from the inside. Like we've got a perfect scenario. We got the third overall pick being our twenty five reps a guy game who comes in there and just just wrecks the inside. Like, that, is, that, that to me is incredible. And and that's the kind of depth they have with their defense coordinator, Robert Sala. But, like, I'll go back to this. I think, and I talked to Sean McVay about this, talking about the Shanahan's in general, Mike and Kyle. And one thing that, that Sean said to me about Kyle and about Mike was that they do a better job of any coach he's ever been around of understanding all 22. And everybody's issue. You know, I'm talking about complementary football. So he's like, they get those issues. They get what everybody struggles with. And they plan accordingly. So Kyle does this incredible job of saying to his team, here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're going to do it. And here's how if you do this, it's going to benefit you in the long run. So he gets buy-in from his players. So he's saying, hey, listen, we're down in this particular game. We lost our fullback in Kyle Juszczyk, who to me is one of the most versatile players in football, bar like regardless of position. The guy is incredible. He's he's incredible, Mike. What he does in the running game, I mean, obviously we know what he does. We can see what he does in the passing game, and it's amazing. But what he does in the running game is like he's the only fullback in my mind that can do it some of the things that he's asked to do. Um, he's incredible that way. And so they're minus him. They're down to that. They lost their swing tackle in training camp. So they were down to starting their fourth and fifth offensive tackles in this game. And so Kyle's game plan was, hey, guys, we still have to run the ball. We're probably not going to be as effective. But if we sit down in third down and seven have to throw the ball a bunch, we're going to get killed. So, hey, wide receivers, I'm going to ask you to chip. I'm going to ask you to do some things for us that I normally don't ask you to do, and you're going to do these things because this is going to help us win this football game. And ultimately, off of this chip or off of this insert, you know, inside the line of scrimmage, we're going to set up a play action. You're going to score a touchdown on or you're going to have an opportunity to have a big play on, and it's it could be the difference to, uh, in winning and losing. And I think he just gets a better buy-in from his players because they all understand they they all understand how they all affect a victory. And even if they don't get the big numbers, how they're going to have a, a chance to, to help them win a ball game. And I, I I think that's where Kyle has set himself apart and, and John Lynch. And they, they've done a really good job of understanding kind of the, the personnel that they want and – how they're going to get that personnel to to go out and play hard and be successful? Boy, the NFC it's
1: it's wild right now. Who could have foreseen that you know San Francisco would be where they're at? Uh, you know, even Seattle where they're at. Uh-huh. So here we are looking at the Rams. They've lost three in a row. And and what about the team that I liked to uh, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? The Cowboys. My pick looked so strong the first three weeks. And now, where are they at? That that performance against the the Jets was really alarming because you've lost two in a row. You'd think that uh, you know against a a bad team or an average team that they would have come out and made some sort of statement. Instead, they got whipped by the Jets.
0: Yeah, I mean, right? So disappointing. And when you think about that, Mike, you know, I mean, I understand that um, that the Cowboys have had some injuries on their offensive line, right? And, you know, when we built – you built this football team and you thought to yourself, well, this thing is built on having a great offensive line and being able to, uh, you know, control line of scrimmage and do all those things, right? That's kind of how it was built. And and that was the offensive side of the ball. But defensively, you know, that's the thing you you thought, that defensively this team is young, they are fast – you know they're they're really good, and yet you, you you Jets roll in there and Sam Darnold completes you know seventy two percent of his passes and and throws for three hundred thirty eight yards and and you know it just is it's just one of those things that you look at and you're like Man, what is like what's the malfunction there and it's not like Dak it's not like Dak didn't play well I mean it's not like he he, he was twenty eight to forty. You know, it wasn't like he didn't play well, Mike. It just, like, there just isn't, they're just not separating themselves for some reason. It just is, like, it feels off to me. Like, it just isn't quite there for the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I know when you build your team to physically dominate people and bully people up and you lose some players, and I know it's hard, but you're right, it's just, it's incredible that they're sitting where they're, they're sitting and i think the other thing that's amazing to me mike when you look at them um you know is is as much as we made the dallas cowboys for the first 3 weeks we were all ready to go uh-oh i mean if if the new orleans saints can just right hey if they can just you know weather the storm and play 500 football while their quarterback's gone they're undefeated with their backup quarterback
1: hey where do you come down on the whole you can't lose your job to injury debate because Here's Cam Newton getting ready to come back with the Panthers. Right. While he was playing, they were 0-2. Kyle Allen takes over. They've won four in a row. Does does Cam Newton automatically get his job back? And I'll even go so far, whew, I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, all the Saints have done since Teddy Bridgewater took over for Drew Brees is continue to win. Right. I mean, is it are 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 the two instances the same? How are they different?
0: <laughs> They're different because Drew Brees is Drew Brees. Uh, although Drew Brees never won the MVP and Cam Newton has. How about that? Right? Right? I, I just, but listen, Cam Newton won the MVP being a supremely gifted athlete. I mean, he, like, he had 39 touchdowns. I mean, I think he had 10 rushing touchdowns. Maybe it was 39 passing touchdowns, and another 10 rushing. I don't know what it was. It was ridiculous. That year was incredible. There's no question about it. They went, what, 15 and one? They represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. And, um, but McCam has never been a real accurate thrower of the football. an Accurate intermediate thrower of the football. He hasn't. Now he's got a big time arm and you know and and he's pushed it down the football field a time or two where it, it has looked special, but he's never been a real accurate thrower of the football. And I've never been like, I've never been sold on, on Cam as a quarterback. Like, as an athlete, and, and when you put him in a position to where, you know, he's going to run it 10 times on design quarterback runs and some of the play action stuff that comes off of that, like, he can be very effective. But when you ask him to sit in the pocket and pick people apart, um, the accuracy has just never been there, in my opinion, from, you know, studying it forever, that it, it just isn't good enough. And one thing about Kyle Allen, man, he is deadly act. You know, he's just, I mean, he's just picking people apart. And so I think there's two different scenarios that you're talking about here. Drew Brees is still one of the best quarterbacks in all of football and and has been for, you know, two decades, for crying out loud. Um, when he comes back, he's your starting quarterback. When Cam Newton comes back, no, I wouldn't make a move. I mean, think about the way they've supported. They've always They've always had a good, you know, pretty good defense, right? They've got great defensive players. They've got Luke Keekly, one of the best in the business. So they've got an outstanding defense, and they're winning ballgames right now with a quarterback who's got great accuracy and can distribute the football, get it into people's hands with the ability to make plays after the catch, and with Christian McCaffrey, who's an MVP candidate. Like, I, I don't know why you would change that. I mean, and I get that he's making a lot of money, but and he's Cam Newton, for crying out loud, but think about it. What is it, like? What's his? What's his salary? Like twenty-two million bucks, and you're paying Kyle Allen nothing, right? Like even if you go into it next year, you're just like you, instead of saying, "Hey, we're wasting all this money on Cam Newton," you're just like, "Hey, man, our quarterback position's making twenty-two million bucks. Like we can we can survive that. We can manage that cap area, that cap hit. Like that's manageable, right? Like it's like it's it's it's, a, it's below average for the quarterback position. I mean, it's it is." So you look at Kyle Allen and go, "Hey man, he can play another year at minimum wage." Um and we can just eat Cam Newton's salary and we'll be all right. Like it's not going to hurt us it's not going to hurt us cap wise to just walk away. And I think it, I think next year is t- like I think it's like 22 million bucks on the cap. I had this conversation yesterday with somebody. Um I think I was I was talking to Colin, but I think it's about 22 million on the cap next year. Um so that doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt anybody's football team. Eat it and move on.
1: You know, I'm watching the Detroit Lions play the other day, and I, I find myself rooting for this team. And, you know, I, I find myself rooting for Matt Patricia because he showed up there in Detroit, and he was trying to change the culture, an underachieving culture, a culture of softness, uh, a culture where the players really weren't pushed, and he came in and tried to do that immediately and there was some some pushback from the from the Lions players. And it, it seems like there is a buy on, a buy-in going on now with that uh, team, and they're playing very well this year, playing very hard. They took the the Chiefs right down to the wire. We saw them take uh, the the Packers right down to the wire. Uh, a couple of questionable uh, hands to the face calls against Troy, Trey Flowers, who had never been called for that penalty ever before in his career. But it it I mean, are we seeing uh, a legitimate turning of the tide when it comes to the Wobegon? Detroit Lions. I,
0: I, I mean, I hope so because you know a lot of people look at the only signature win that Matthew Stafford has ever had was in his rookie year. You know, he gets knocked like I mean, gets not his shoulder like gets knocked out of socket, and um, you know he gets a pass interference call. You remember the game he gets and he's like he's wired up, he's mic'd up, and he's writhing in pain. They take him off the sideline. And, um, gosh, who were they playing? Were they playing – I can't even remember who they were playing. Like, I, I I don't remember off offhand. But the team they're playing calls a timeout. And he's like, well, I can go back in. And they're like, no, you can't, you can't even hold your arm. No, I go back in. And he goes back in and ends up, like, throwing a touchdown or something, right? I mean, he is just – he's in so much pain. And that's, like, the last signature win he has. And, you know, he had a chance to get a signature win the other night – if not be, you know, if not for the the hands of the face and and you know the the mystery penalty that the NFL calls and um and it, it essentially took it away because they would have they would have uh you know had to kick a field goal and had about a minute and a half a minute and forty seconds left on the clock for him to drive his team down and, and possibly get a win and that opportunity is taken away from him and and so I, I just think it's I think that that part is depressing. Um, I think the way the games sometimes are officiated is depressing. Um, you know what? I'm a, I, I'm a proponent of, of, of scrap-pawing instant replay, getting rid of it all. I hate it. I've never liked it. I've said this for 10 years, and uh, everybody thought I was crazy, and I think people are coming around, around to my way of thinking, Mike. Just shit-can the whole thing and just play the games. What does it hurt? I, I'm calling a game every Sunday, and every Sunday when a big play happens, you know what I do? I scan the field for flags. Yep. While I'm in the booth, yep. I scan the field for flags. See, whoa, did anybody touch the quarterback? Um, you know, was there a uh, was there a, a holding call? Was there a like? I'm scanning it for flags. It slows it. Hey, they, they, my team scores, you know, or team scores, you can't. Like, if you're a fan, you can't cheer. You got to wait to see. Right? Yeah, the sponta- gotta-
1: yeah, the spontaneity's been taken out of it. I I completely agree, but there is still the idea that there's only 16 of these games, and when you get to the playoffs, it's winner take all. It's not a seven game best of series, and right. so these games. And I'm talking. I'm I'm just strictly speaking as a fan here. Okay, the the fans' investment. In their football teams is is so much, whether it's the gear they buy, the time they spend, whatever, that I I just think it's just too important that if you have the technology to get it right, you got to use it. You have to use it because for everybody who says, oh, I, I missed the human element and the human element is part of sports, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you say that right until you're a Saints fan and you get your 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 world gets, you know, uh,
0: you know, taken out from under you. Then all of a sudden. Right. Instant right.
1: replay is the most wonderful thing ever.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. How many times does instant replay? Get it right. How many times is instant replay wrong? Do you know that? Of like there was I think, twenty I think twenty four of twenty five pass interference calls were upheld mm-hmm. whatever whichever way they called it, like they're not changing it and they're not changing it on purpose Mike they're not changing it because they want the rule to go away they don't want to make it reviewable anymore so it was a, it remember it's a one year kind of it's a one year process right we're gonna see how it goes they're they're just not gonna change it like to me. It's it's all garbage anyhow.
1: But, Mark, you understand, you got to understand, the genie's out of the bottle, and he's not going back. Because you. if all of a sudden the NFL came out next year and said, instant replay across the board is gone. And for a while, people would be applauding it and say, all right, it's back to the way it, it should uh-huh. be. The spontaneity's back, and the games will move along quicker. And that'll last right up until... A, a game is decided and we look at the replay and you're like, oh that was a fumble. that was a fumble right It wasn't called a fumble but clearly it's a fumble or they called that guy out of bounds look his feet are in yeah and the, the cries will just echo across the NFL mm-hmm. landscape it, it's mm-hmm. it, we're, we're too far down the road.
0: all right well listen man I hate it. I've always hated it. I think it's garbage. I don't think it changes. I don't think you know the whole we get it right. Like I, I always looked at the the challenge flags too, Mike. I, I think that's another ridiculous thing. We want to get it right. That's why we have instant replay so, so that we can get it right. Unless you don't have a challenge flag, right, right, then we don't right. give a shit about getting right. it right. No, that's right?
1: true. That's true. I'm not saying it's a perfect system, but far from it. it but
0: yeah. Well, here's the other part. Here's the other part. Referees. Everybody complains and bitches about the referees and how they're no good, right? But the referees have been told on many occasions swallow your whistle, let instant replay figure it out, right? So you've got a a, a generation of referees who are less demonstrative, dr- demonstra- I can't say that. Demonstrative. Word. Thank you. They're less of that. And um uh, and you know like they yeah, you know, I mean you're you're told not to do your job. I I I just again, here's my deal. And this goes back to a lot of things with concussions and everything else. Why do we let other people that aren't involved in our game create the narrative of our game? Let's quit apologizing for our game. This is the best game in the world. It's the best game in the world. And you're not tough enough to play. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, sorry our guys are let's let them freaking play for crying out loud and let's quit trying to say oh look it's safe and nobody's gonna get hurt and let your kids play everybody's gonna get hurt that's the game that we play we love it we sign up for it i would do it all over again so let's quit apologizing for our freaking game and let's go out there and have some fun playing it and you know what? Injuries are a part of it, too bad, but let's just, I mean, let's quit trying to make it something. Let's quit trying to make it soccer because soccer is for sissies. Quit trying to make it soccer. I'm sure soccer's great. You know, they've got that magic water that if you get hurt, they just squirt it on you, and then you're fine. And, you know, good for you guys. And you run for 90 minutes. Oh, I mean, you trot for 90 straight minutes. I mean, it's incredible. Oof, what a – I mean, you win games one to nothing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I can hardly contain my excitement for the freaking game. I don't want it to be soccer. You've got your game. Good for you guys. Enjoy it. It's football. It's the best game in the world. Let's quit letting soccer fan dictate to us.
1: Genie's out of the bottle, my man.
0: Genie is out of the bottle. Shove that bitch back in there. Let's roll. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back with you later on.